Welcome to The Vine, a Plant Media Project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Sheldon and Gina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscape around cannabis and psychedelics and ending the stigma through educational discussions. The Vine podcast does not offer medical advice nor condone any use of illegal substances. Consult your physician or therapist before making changes to your wellness plan and before trying alternative healing medicines. So we are back. And today I'm having a chat with Gina about PS23, where she was the director of marketing for the largest psychedelic science conference ever produced by Momentum Events. It took place at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver this June with over 12,000 attendees. So to begin, Gina, can you give us the background on how the conference came together and how you found yourself leading these marketing efforts? Well, it's great to be back, Elizabeth. And I certainly missed being a part of the Vine, but with things with this conference leading up to it, it was just so incredibly busy for me. I was putting in days and nights, weekends to get this event to be everything and all that we wanted it to be. And it really was all that. And so I was really lucky to have the opportunity Um, I was working with the Horizons conferences, as you know, uh, both in New York and then our very first Horizons Northwest that took place in Portland, Oregon last year. And then afterwards was able to move over into a position to work in the marketing department with MAP Psychedelic Science. So this is a conference where it's just such a beat, Elizabeth. Like, I mean, you mentioned it's 12,000 attendees. I mean, we had folks come from 52 countries across the world. Um, and I think we were closer to like 12,400 when it was all said and done. We took over the entire Colorado Convention Center. So I was away from home for over 10 days. So that was the longest time. Mm-hmm. I've been away from my little girl um, since she's been born and she's just about 10 now. So um, it was one of those things where being away from family, being that far away from home in Denver for a whole week, you know, I really just immersed myself and did the entire experience. You know, we had classes and workshops for several days and then it began you know, the whole entire conference of tons and tons of programming on over a dozen stages. Um, and we had a massive expo hall that had over 250 vendors, um, which was the largest exhibition of its kind, I believe, ever. And then on top of that, we had a deep space immersive art experience that was sponsored by Dr. Bronner's, which pretty much took kind of like a Burning Man experience and placed it inside the walls of the CCC. And so it really had something for everyone. People were able to come and learn and get CE credits and, and you know meet their heroes and the best researchers in the world. And then they also got to gather together in community and have be a part of a lot of different you know community events that so many of our community partners and allies were putting on all around the Denver community. So what was your most memorable moment? Uh, you know, I have a few. I would say that there was a moment before the event started. And I remember I was in the Belco Theater, which is the largest theater at the Colorado Convention Center that seats about 5,000 or so people. And it was where our, you know, int- our very intro um, to the entire event, our opening ceremonies, if you will, would take place. And then some of the larger talks would be in that space. So we had this massive LED wall that was up on stage. And I was in the room trying to put down all the the seating for all the press that I'd been managing and getting all that together. And I was just in this empty space. And so I was chatting with one of the the light and sound technicians. And he said, get up on stage and let me take a picture of you. And I got to get up on that stage and for a moment feel what it would feel like for all of those speakers to get to 
look out into that audience and see people from all across the world that are all together in the name of psychedelics for for healing. Cool. It really was just a moment. And then to fast forward till when the event actually started the next day and we're in this space and I was standing off to the side, you know, kind of closer to the stage and, you know, Rick Doblin comes out in an all white suit, you know, and there's all this beautiful colored wall behind him. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, being well, introducing us to the psychedelic 20s. And he said that, um, he, the hope is that the U.S. population will reach a net zero trauma by the year 2070 with the help of these psychedelic substances. And I could feel the energy in the entire room where there was all this hope that could we do that? Could we really, especially after living through this collective trauma of this pandemic and you know, this recession and people trying to go through all this, we're in this mental health crisis. Is it possible? Are we just being hopeful or do you think that this is real i don't know but it's a very noble um goal right it is it is and someone has to say it i mean is anyone really talking about what this world could be like if we could actually make a pledge to say we don't want there to be trauma in our lives and so whether it's use the use of psychedelics or meditation or breath work you know being that we could find you know healthy ways for us to reach um our wellness goals and to hopefully eliminate trauma was i think a really a really good moment and to feel and just look out into the sea of faces and every single seat filled. And we had way more people than that. So we had ballrooms that were overflowing, showing Rick's talk because not everyone could fit into the same room at the same time. But I just felt this palpable excitement where everyone in the room knew they were a part of history. And it just, it's like that excitement in that moment, like knowing like this is just the beginning and it was history in the making. So since it was history in the making and the meeting of some of the most influential people in psychedelics, did you get to meet any of your favorite heroes? Well, <laughs> I feel like I got to meet so many people. I mean, I remember like I like watched Mitchell, Mitchell Gomez from Dan Safe walk by in the hallway and I was like a little puppy dog like running after him being like, I just have to say hello and thank you for your drug testing, kids. Right. We love you. Um, so there were moments like that that happened all throughout the conference of just seeing people that I respect so much that represent so many of the organizations and companies that are leaders in this movement. But I feel that overall, um, meeting Dr. Roland Griffiths right. was just such a special moment in time for me. I mean, the fact that we owe so much of this resurgence of the research coming back because of the work that he has done at Johns Hopkins and, you know, especially around end of life care um, and, and the fact that he now is in the final stages of his life with cancer and being up on stage, I'll just get so emotional thinking about him. He was a busy man. I mean, he was up on the Belco theater stage had, you know, a big audience in front of him there. And then we had to get him from that room clear to the other side of the Colorado Convention Center for a talk immediately to follow to be on a panel about psychedelics and spirituality. And so I was asked to kind of like help make sure we could safely get him from one place to another. And so I was like his bouncer for a minute. Was like, this was like, like really a dream come you're, true. You're but <laughs> Exactly. And so the night before his talks, we had actually hosted a dinner for Dr. Griffiths and it was in, to honor his life. And I feel like too often we wait until people die to celebrate them. And what I thought was so beautiful about this was that we had the dinner at the convention center and there were 
over 2,000 people wow. in this room. I mean, the fact that we all had dinner served to us and we were all sitting with white linens and like big round tables. I mean, this was the largest dinner that I had ever participated in from like a catering and kind of an event standpoint. It was just massive. But then to be sitting there in the back and to be able to be a part of it and, you know, get to hear all of these people come up and just say these wonderful, remarkable things about him as a human and about him as a researcher and about the impact that he has made on people's lives. And then Alex and Allison Gray came up onto the stage and Dr. Griffiths was sitting there and they had done a painting for him. Alex Gray had painted this this portrait of him. And so oh, when it was first them, okay. So it was uh, it was of Dr. Griffiths, but they had it under a cover um at first and they were going to do this big reveal. And so they started to explain, you know, all the impact that, you know, Dr. Griffiths has made and all of this and then just as they were about to reveal it, there was a severe thunder and hailstorm alert that had come up on our cell phones like right beforehand and then during the moment when the big reveal happened you heard like the heavens open up and these like loud thunder boomers and then all of a sudden all of this hail apparently like like red rocks people are getting hit in the head with like it was like golf ball sides of a larger hail they had to like shut stuff down so this was like a massive massive storm that had happened but it was just at that moment when this reveal happened of the painting and i could literally get i get the chills even thinking about it so when i was when i was this bouncer getting them from the one uh one talk to the other um afterwards i had to like help usher him from that to get him safely out of the building so that he could go home and so i had this moment where i got to be on the elevator with him and I got to share that story. And he said that he didn't know that that had happened right when the the painting was revealed. But I felt it really important for him to know that I feel like the heavens responded and that that was the way of like the world acknowledging like this. He's not going anywhere. The work he's done and the impact he's made on all of us is going to last forever. Right. Wow. So I'm not a big football person, but Aaron Rodgers certainly caused a stir at the event and in the media. So tell us about what his present did for the movement. Well, the minute that we went ahead and announced that he was going to be a part of this conference, I had never seen a response of anything like this. I mean, we had all these amazing researchers and all these folks that have done all this great work. But the minute that we talked about someone that is a professional athlete who's still playing professional football, that he was going to be able to talk so openly about this and to be able to be at the event, it caused just a flutter of activity. Some people wondering, like, what the heck does this guy have to do with psychedelics? You know, he had done ayahuasca, and so he that was what he um, was spoke about at, at the conference. Um, but there was, like, you know, other folks that were kind of curious about him. You know, he, during the pandemic, had, you know, come out saying that he wouldn't get vaccination. And so some people were wondering, you know, Uh is there a place for someone like him on a science conference stage? You know, is he a science denier? So we got kind of like a whole lot of response from folks about it. But I'll say that the fact that we had ESPN there recording, we were able to get so much coverage from him from sports media that Sports Illustrated wrote an article about there had never been an NFL player of getting this much coverage about anything other than professional football. Wow. So the fact that he was willing to share his experience of, you know, going down to South America and there participating in a ceremony with ayahuasca, which 
in that country was legal. So he was able to come back to the States and talk about this in a very open capacity. And he talked about how at that time, there was a lot of people, you know, what, what is he doing? You know, what, how is this going to react? Is he going to be the same player, you know, after he does this plant medicine? And he talked about how once he had come back from South America, he ended up having the very best season of his wow. life. Feeling. And and he was like, it's pretty hard to cancel me over using plant medicine when I come back and can actually like, you know, play my best game ever. Ban- Exactly. So it's interesting to see how the sports world is going to respond to things like this, because we know that in certain areas of the country, psychedelics are being decriminalized. So and in places like Oregon, where you will be able to go and sit with a facilitator for psilocybin and that being legal, what will this mean for athletes in our country? And I think that, you know, too often, you know, we have We've built this whole entire stardom around all these professional athletes. And, you know, there's so much attention in America to them. Well, we often don't think of them as human beings or the trauma that they may suffer or the physical um, ailments that they face from from getting knocked in the head so many times, whether they're, you know, a hockey player, a football player or whatnot. I mean, this, you know, this is there's a lot of athletes that I think could find benefit from psychedelics. But maybe this conversation and having it be brought up in such a, a, a massive way. I mean, we were like on the front page of the New York Post with the, the Aaron Rodgers style. Unbelievable. It was unreal the way that the community um, nationwide responded to him participating in this. So, you know, I want to thank Aaron for being there. And um, I want to thank all of the, the media for understanding that, you know, the way we can bring wider audiences to this movement is by taking segments of it and educating them and by just even like allowing the conversation to be out there that a professional athlete would use plant medicine for healing helped open up a whole lot of conversations in you know professional athletics and then also just beyond so cool so there were a lot of a lot of times when we go to these events, they're community events, ancillary events that are happening, the parties and so forth. But there were really some huge events that uh, bookmarked and you know bookended this event. So what were some of those events and how did they contribute to the overall experience, do you think? I think that we had over 150 community partners. So these are nonprofits and organizations that are doing really good work that offered up their communities to us to promote the conference. And we gave each of them promo codes so that they can offer their audience a discount to attend. But I got to be a part of that team that was managing the community partners. So I've really had the opportunity to speak with so many of them. And they're all passionate and so dedicated to their organization's mission. And this was a big deal to so many of them in the community to send out their team to Denver to be a part of this conference. Many of them had booths, which for the first time was like very new to them to participating in any kind of like exposition. And so to have, you know, a 10 by 10 booth space may seem, you know, 
pretty small thing for some businesses that are used to doing events or for cannabis companies to go to MJ BizCon every year. Like it seems like, oh, well, what do you mean? But when you're a small organization and you're in the world of psychedelics, and there've never been any events like this ever for you to even set up a booth and figure out how you want your company to be presented and how you want to show up for the community um, was really interesting. And I got to be a part of so many conversations about the impact that these organizations wanted to make on the community while they're there. Because like I said, 52 countries represented, you know, all these folks coming in from around the world with one commonality of reaching each other with deeper connections and being able to learn about how they can get involved with this movement. So some of them were meetups that took place actually at the convention center for different groups within the community to get together and and get to network with one another. Some of them were evening events um, that served some of them were cocktail parties. Yes. um, Well, you didn't join the concert, but did you did go to Meow Wolf? I did go to Meow Wolf. So why don't you tell everyone about that? What? Like, what's Meow Wolf, right? I think it's psychedelic. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a museum where you go in to another world and you can touch and feel and have an experience. But you can put better words to that. Yeah, no, I feel like that's a great way to describe it. And they are in multiple cities, but the Meow Wolf in Denver was a really fantastic partner for us. So anybody that attended the conference was offered a promo code to go to Meow Wolf at a discount. But then we also partnered with the Have a Good Trip team and um, an AEG Presents to do a large concert um, with the Flaming Lips as the headliner. Um, and Eric Andre and Reggie Watts opened up the the event and then Flaming Lips um, was the headliner. And then following that, there was an after party at Meow Wolf. So I think I got there way after you that night. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't think I even made it to Meow Wolf till like midnight. Cool. But um, it was really great uh, getting, because I I mean, obviously there were so many more events that I certainly couldn't be a part of, being that I had to be back at the convention center I early in the morning to run the event night. every day. Right. So I wasn't able to participate in everything. But that was something that you know, the, the um, organizations did this concert, but they actually took a part of the proceeds of every single ticket and donated it back to MAPS. So it was this large MAPS fundraiser and so many of the audience, if not, you know, a good majority of them were all folks that had attended the conference. So some of the co- comedic bits and things leading into uh, the concert was kind of talking about us, you know, being together, you know, there for psychedelic science. And there was also, you know, live artists that were on site, you know, in the lobby area and some really neat kind of psychedelic artwork and experience that was happening as a part of that. And so I was, you know, up kind of up far from the stage and kind of just having this moment again, like how I was in the Belco Theater, getting to sit back and like see everyone else have a good time and get to see and experience this and talk. And um, the Flaming Lips decided to do Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, which was an an album that came out the year that I graduated college. (laughs) So I was like having these moments of like, just like reflection of like how this band meant something to me so much then and now here I am getting to see them live as a part of psychedelic science and just how trippy that really was. I mean, it really was an awesome experience. But what I loved from these community events was how much the organizations, the promoters was willing to give back to MAPS. 
And it, you know, it really was in the name of like, we are only going to be able to get through this or to even potentially reach this goal of net zero trauma by 2070 with a community effort. And we all have to be willing to like support. So whether you're going to see a concert, knowing that some of those proceeds are going back to MAPS, whether you could afford the full conference pass and be able to attend, there were just so many different ways that week in Denver that you could come and be a part of it and know that you were giving back and, and helping, you know, the psychedelic movement. So talking about um, giving back, and I was fortunate enough to attend on Friday, um, you and PMP um, were all now part of this Million Moms on Mushroom movement. Oh. So I, I would love to tell our listeners about that and what's coming up. Yeah. So this actually was so cool because, you know, speaking of the community partners and the sponsors. So Tracy T from Moms on Mushrooms partnered with Melissa Labansani from the Psychedelic Medicine Coalition, who we've had on the podcast here before and is a good friend of ours at PNP. These two women have, for me, I feel like broken all barriers for this industry. I mean, we've seen Melissa Labansani in good housekeeping, right? Remember all the different shows she's been on, all this mainstream. I think she was on The Doctors. And then Tracy, just this past week, was on Good Morning America again. Um, and she, Tracy's from Denver area. Um, so she has a really tight community there. And she's trying to, you know, uh, really bring up the this movement of psychedelics for mental health by saying, let's stand in solidarity as moms together. So with the work that the Psychedelic Medicine Coalition is doing in D.C., this was kind of a match made in heaven because what I what they're doing now and now us being moms as well and getting to be a part of this is this idea that millions of moms will be a campaign where we're going to gather together in the name of psychedelics for mental health. So we needed to kind of launch this concept and this idea. Uh, and so we created uh, millionsofmoms.com was our website and we had a, an Eventbrite set up. And what we did was we asked all mothers, we had little flyers we were passing out at the at the conference all week too. But what we asked was that if you were a mom or an advocate for a mom, um, that we would ask you to join us in front of the gigantic blue bear, which was this big statue that was in front of the Colorado Convention Center that was life-size, as tall as the building. But we asked all of the moms that everyone to gather there at 11 a.m. on Friday, the last um, day of the conference. Um, and we had got a couple sponsors. And so we got 150 of these uh, Millions of Moms t-shirts printed. And so we passed those out. Well, we had way more than 150 people got them. So now we have hundreds and hundreds of people that are not in t-shirts, but that's a good problem to have. We have all of these people gathered. We were able to get a big drone shot um, of all of us standing up in front of the psychedelic science sign. And what we're doing is we're making a pledge that we are going to march uh, in D.C. Um, in spring of next year. So it'll be Millions of Moms March um, in the name of psychedelic research. And so if you're a mom and you're listening and you're interested in getting involved, we'll be absolutely sharing more information on the Vine and on our blog about how you can be involved. But we'll be able to be there in D.C. and support moms that want to go to the Capitol and meet with their legislators and talk with them about the importance of using psychedelics for mental health. And you don't have to be a mom. You know, we all had a mom, right? <laughs> so if you could be an advocate for moms and not be a mom, but our hope would be that we can use the voices of moms very similarly to how it's been done at cannabis. You know, we saw that, you know, in my home state of Pennsylvania, you know, the mama bears were the ones that, you know, got our state to get cannabis, medical cannabis passed. And so our hope would be that maybe the mom of blue bears, so <laughs> millions of moms will be able to 
you know, shake things up at the Capitol and get some of our legislators that are maybe still on the fence or still living in those stigmas to maybe rethink this for mental health. And it was just so exciting to have it be a part of the conference and to get to, you know, be up there in front of all those other moms and thank them and just be a part of that movement. And Fit Media Project will continue to be a part of it as it grows. And like I said, we'll be sharing more information as we get it. So the media definitely did its part reporting on the event. And obviously, we can't go through everything that they did. But there was a particularly good article in BizBash, and you were quoted a great deal. So tell us a little bit about um, that article. And then we will definitely link that in the follow up blog post. Yeah, I was just so delighted to work with the pros at KCSA, the PR firm that we partnered with for psychedelic science. And you know, we were able to do such massive outreach to the community that we had hundreds and hundreds of journalists from all across the world that were in attendance at this conference. So I'm, I, there's still articles. There was just an article yesterday that came out in Forbes yeah. uh, about the conference. So I think that we're going to continue to see the rippling effect of how this conference has made, you know, changes in this movement. And so I'm excited to see things will come out. But particularly as an event producer for over 20 years, you know, to get to speak to BizBash was just a dream come true for me. And Tracy Block, the author of that article, was able to spend the week with us. So she was able to check out Deep Space and, and walk through all the expo and participate in lots of talks. And she also was able to get access to some of the ancillary community events, including the Flaming Lips show. So she was able to really get a sense of what we were trying to create both inside the walls of the CCC, but then also outside into the greater community. And on the very last day, and I was so tired, I was like burnt out a little bit at this point, you know, maybe getting a little over emotional about things. Um, But it was at the very end of the week, she had asked if I would sit in the business and practitioners lounge with her and just, you know, go over some of the, the things, the highlights of the conference and, you know, what made it so special. And so she ended up recording that conversation. And I was so delighted to see that she actually published almost the entire uh, conversation that we had had in BizBatch um, mm-hmm. with the hopes now that groups like BizBatch, who have been covering, you know, the top events, you know, in the country for so many years are now having their eye on the impact that psychedelic conferences wow. can have on the community and on mental health movement. So I'm hoping that this will, this conference is, is now invigorated the media to think about um, psychedelics in a different way. I mean, like we talked about Aaron Rodgers getting in New York Post and all these media outlets. You know, we had three articles come out in People Magazine because of speakers, you know, Catherine Oxenberg, um, Jaden Smith um, coming out talking about how it was his mother, Jada Pinkett Smith, that introduced their family to psychedelics. Um, And then Aaron Rodgers got a profile as well. But if we can be in People magazine, we can be in BizBash as event producers, we can be in, you know, Forbes, I think that we're kind of showing that this movement is not so niche. It's going to it's going to bleed into all facets of our our world and it is going to become more mainstream. Now, that doesn't come with, you know, caution. And I think there were plenty of cautionary tales told um, at the conference about how we need to be, you know, cautious with how quick. Uh, this this movement is 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 just selling and moving forward very quickly. Um, but also what this means for us in terms of like our indigenous communities and making sure that we don't we let all voices be heard and we don't leave people behind as these medicines become medicalized. Right. 
So we both attended the Brooklyn Psychedelic Club's Integration Circle, which our dear friend Charlie Winninger um, led. And I can say it was a really moving experience, but you definitely had a whole week and a whole year of stuff to get yes. here. So yes. how did you feel? What was your experience? And um, yes, it's important to integrate. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. And I think we talk about, you know, when we do psychedelic experiences that you have your your set and your setting right. and then you have your dose day and then you have your integration. But oftentimes we don't talk about how integration could be used in other forms of our life. And I think that this event itself was psychedelic. You know, it was right. so big and it created, you know, so many emotions and so many different things. And, you know, I worked so hard on it to get there. Um that it just, it was overwhelming. And so on the final day um, of the event and in the concluding ceremonies, there was a protest that had happened with um, indigenous protesters that ended up, you know, kind of storming the stage of the closing ceremony. And um, it was just, I had just a, I felt like just my gut just fell and my heart sunk in. And I just felt so bad in the moment of like, you know, we worked so hard and you just want to like wrap this thing up with a big red shiny bow and and conclude it and move on to the next chapter. But in that moment, it was like time had stopped. And it was like, how was the team, both the events team and Momentum, as well as the the MAPS t- uh, presenting, you know, their, this is their event. How is everyone going to react to this? You know, are we going to see that there's going to be, you know, they're going to be removed from the stage? Is there going to be just an abrupt ending to the closing ceremony like we didn't know what would happen and it ended up you know being that rick was very gracious and he allowed everyone to speak up on stage and and all the event producers and everything you know gave rick that space to do what he felt was right and it kind of you know worked itself out but there was a lot of tension because at the end of the event it did get kind of like cut down short to whereas the beginning had all of this, you know, emotion and excitement and all the hopes and dreams. Yeah. That the conclusion ended with something that reminded us that we can't get too big and we need to recognize that this is a conversation that we can't, we need all voices to be included in. So being that the very next day, and I'm so glad Elizabeth, you came on that last day because I mean, I needed a friend at that point. Um, I was just, oh, there was just so many emotions and so many things. I was just running, you know, burning the candle on both ends essentially at that point. But then the Psychedelic Club of Denver was hosting their Mindful Marketplace. And so it was really lovely to go there and, you know, being them a part of the Psychedelic Club here in Pittsburgh to go there see how they're doing things in Denver, get to meet some of their artists. And I remember we had that fresh squeezed juice that was like the very best thing. Like that was like, it was a nice touch. But to get to see our friends, Charlie and Shelly Winninger um, at at this event, um, they started off with doing more of a discussion around Charlie's book. And there was a QA and a about building community. And then afterwards, the Brooklyn Psychedelic Society hosted an event in that same space where Charlie served as the lead of this integration circle. And I just feel like that was probably one of my highlights of the whole thing was getting to have that moment with the community. I was actually really nervous, if you remember. I was like, I don't know if I want to go. What if everyone had a bad time? (laughs) And now now I have to hear all everybody's, you know, had stories or something. But I felt like it was really important for me personally to go. And especially after 
what had happened at the closing ceremony, I felt like I needed the, the response. I needed to hear from the community. I needed that touch point. And so Charlie had asked everybody in the room to close their eyes and to do this brief meditation with, with each other. And so he started off with saying, like, no matter if you were here for a day or you were here for a week, imagine that your time here in Denver has been at the top of this big mountain. And now the, that the event is over, we're going to be going back down the mountain and back into our personal lives. And he asked us to consider something that we would want to leave behind on the mountain, something that didn't serve us anymore that we want to leave behind. And then one thing or a few things, right, that we would want to bring with us back into our personal life. And so each of us had opportunity to share and express, you know, those sentiments. And what I was gathering from most of what people wanted to leave behind was the fear of missing out, that there was so much FOMO at this conference. For the people that didn't go, there was FOMO, but there was so much FOMO for the people that actually spent the money and attended because there was so much happening. There was so much counter-programming and so many things going on that you could have never been a part of every single talk. You could have never been a part of every single event because so many of them happened at the same time. And so there were a lot of people that if you're if you're a little overwhelmed with planning an experience like this, they kind of just meandered around and walked into different event, you know, different talks as they found them, where others were really rigid with their schedules and used our app and, you know, highlighted every single talk and every single researcher they wanted to see. And they really still felt like they missed out on things. So that I took that as a, a good thing in a way, though, because that's something I agree. we can work on, right? I agree. But what people were taking with them was so much more about the community and the connections, more so even than all of the educational discussions. And so it goes back to Charlie. And what he always says is that the community is the medicine. And I felt that the day after the conference, being able to gather together there, and we were able to talk about the closing ceremony, we were able to reflect together in community on the the pros and the cons and the various different sides of this, that we realize that our community and our movement is like a prism. And there's many different sides to it. And, you know, you know, we need to see it as that. And we can't, you know, see ourselves as just one thing. Well I, said, Gina. That's very, that's very well said. And I mean, you you at least came for the day. You saw how everything went. Yes. You got to attend Deep Space. You got to go through the thing. I mean, even just with one day of attending, wasn't the integration like super important? It was, it was so fantastic. And it was overwhelming. I can't imagine having been there for the entire week just because one day was exhausting. Walking that floor, going to the talks, you know, communicating with different people and people you didn't know and it was it was so fantastic but it was it was overwhelming it was a lot it, it certainly was and I could there would be just these moments where I'd be walk like I'd have like a earbud in with some like techno music because I'd have to walk so fast from place to place right I'm like I'm a, like a woman on a mission and I'm like I'm going fast but then I would just like bump right into like one of my really good friends that oh live my. in New York or live in Pittsburgh what? and it just were these moments where it was like I was able to feel grounded throughout the week because of, of seeing my friendly faces right. of 
folks in this psychedelic community. And because we don't get to see each other all that often, you know, we see each other at, you know, whether it's a ceremony or a special event or maybe a conference, you know, it starts to feel like family after Indeed. Uh, and so I felt like we got to be with our psychedelic family. And even though we were far away from home, those friendly faces and the the hugs that I would get from folks with just genuine gratitude um, for the work put on by our team to produce this um, was just something I'll never forget as long as I live. But that 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 integration and then getting to hang out with our friends Nick and Sarah uh, post event and really just digging in a little bit more with each other about how impactful this was and you need to have some friends i think there with you to kind of remind you that wow it was a lot but we did it and we did it together as a community and there was a lot of attention for maps and i can only hope that that's going to continue with even more large donations and we're going to see that maps has gone through the third phase of these clinical trials with the FDA for MDMA. And, you know, we could see that these therapies become something that could be mainstream, right? The few short years to come. And so to really focus on educating our community now and having difficult discussions as well, um, I think is really important and is what's going to help the newcomers to this space um, feel welcomed because our community is you know, with open arms saying, we have some knowledge and we have some experience and we want you to be a part of it. And and it felt really warm the whole time I was there in these rooms. People wanted to be there. They wanted to gather. They love being in community. Um, and that's something that I think that we can, you know, bring into other parts of our life is no matter where I live, I know that I have these friendships in all these places across the world because of this psychedelic space. And I just, I have to say the, um, in, in deep space where they had the communal tea room, that was a really beautiful thing to me to be able to go and sit with other people and just have conversations about whatever their work is and psychedelics and the thought process. That was so enjoyable. It was it was almost like being in ceremony, right? Because right. Because connecting with those people. And um, I, I just thought that was really impactful that they had space like that um, for anyone who wanted to be there. Yeah. So you talked um, about, you know, Rick being on the stage. And did you ever get a chance to talk to him? The man of the moment, the man. No, I didn't, but I'll tell you, you know, he has um, a documentary film that they, that um, Prescription X is the name of it that's uh, been in the making for apparently almost 10 years. And so during the conference, uh, Rick was just followed around by this entire film crew and, and all these folks at all times. And he has, you know, all these folks on the team, they're just handlers and helping him around. And so sometimes, you know, we'd be backstage or I'd see him somewhere and it's just like, it's a head nod and like, mm-hmm. a, I love you, see you later kind of thing. Cause he's just so busy and you know, whatever. But at the very, very end of my week in Denver, I had all of my bags, all my stuff. And I was in the lobby and I was exiting and Rick walked in with his son and I had a moment to just have like a one-on-one chat with him and just thank him again for being able to be a part of this experience. And I said that I was sorry that the closing ceremony, you know, was disrupted. And he just stopped 
And in the calmest and kindest way, it was like, there's nothing for you to be sorry about. Wow. Everyone in this community deserves to have their voice be to told. And that's what we did. But don't focus on it as a bad thing because we do want everyone to feel included in this community. And that's all I really needed to hear. And like wow, between getting to have, yeah, be, we had our we had our community in integration. And then I got to see, you know, Rick on the way out and to know that he was proud of how the event took place and that he was happy with the turnout of it and that he didn't feel that anything was went ruined wrong. or went wrong. Went he was just like, this is what life is, right? Is right. that there, we're going to have right. these discussions and some of them may feel like a rub, and but they are not because they're bringing up bigger conversation. And so whether people had, you know, their own opinions about it, to that, that little nugget of knowledge I was able to pull away from it is like, that's what we need to continue preaching in this community is that we all have a voice and all of our voices are important. And this movement is not just for medical. This movement is not just for one group of people. And we need to make sure that we're creating a safe and inclusive space. And with that, we can end the stigmas and we can break down barriers. And the chance of us getting to a world with zero net trauma seems more of a possibility when we have our hearts opened up to that type of care and compassionate care for one another. I, I agree. And and to have a leader who has that way of thinking and, you know, this just beautiful open heart, like you said. Exactly. These conversations, there's nothing wrong with any of it. And a lot of the other folks that, you know, are New York Times bestselling authors or, you know, lead researchers, you know, they everyone came with cautionary tales as well. Like, I, you know, this on social media and in kind of some of the way that the media may have been responding to the success of the conference may seem like it's just a big celebration of psychedelics or drugs. And I really, you know, the folks that, you know, um, MAPS will be, I'm sure, releasing some of the content over time um, that took place at it. And I will be really excited for the community that wasn't able to attend. And even for those that were there, like I said, couldn't be everywhere at once, that once some of these talks are actually out there in the community and we can watch them again and again or take little sound bites from them and, you know, reflect on them and go back to those talks when we need to be reminded certain things. I think that's when and how Psychedelic Science 2023 will continue to make impact in our community is that there's so much, there's just so much to unpack and so much to learn from that experience. And I think that we're going to continue to learn as the talks get released and as more of the community continues to talk about the impact of, you know, gathering in this kind of event this way. Well, I just have to say, uh, as your partner um, at Plant Media Project, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of all you did. It was just, it was a, a moment in history and you made it happen. It was very- I appreciate it so very much. Very and I know that, you know, our podcast suffered and we weren't able to do as many, you know, um, episodes and other things in my life had to take a pause, but I will never forget being able to be a part of this you know, conference and, and having this opportunity. And, you know, I'm just really excited for more opportunities for us to gather with our psychedelic family in the future. So with that, we have more episodes to come and we're glad to be back. And we hope that each of you will will reach out to us if you have new people in the in the community that you want us to talk with, or if there's new companies or organizations we should look into, be sure to, to reach out to us on our website. 
And we want to thank each of you for continuing to support us and for tuning in to The Vine, a Plant Media Project podcast. For additional cannabis and psychedelic news, you can visit us anytime online at plantmediaproject.com. Together, we can end the stigma around plant medicine. Thank you.